23 says, one man, everybody say that with me, one man, one man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised. One man. This is what God laid on my heart this week. I want to preach to us, talk to us just for a little bit on this subject today. The power of one man. Let's lift our hands and ask God's anointing to be with us today. Lord, we're thankful for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we ask your power and your blessings, your anointing, your spirit to be with us. Speak to my heart, my mind, and my spirit, God, so that I can speak your word with clarity. Touch the hearts and the ears of the hearer that they can receive the word uh, that is going forth today. In Jesus' name, we love you, we honor you, we give you praise. Why don't we do that right now? Let's love the Lord just for a few minutes. Hallelujah. bless you. Today is Father's Day, so I want to preach to the men, not just the fathers, but the men that are in this church today. And uh, as I do so, I don't want to do any disrespect or dishonor to uh, ladies. I love ladies. How many love ladies? I love this particular lady. I better say that. But, uh, and uh, I have to admit that uh, life is much better with ladies around. How many believe that? Amen. But for too long, uh, the responsibility of the church and bearing the burden of the church has been on the shoulders of ladies. And uh, I believe in the last day in the world that we live in, our world and our church, we need men to be men. How many believe that? I believe that. This is not my notes, and if I, if I get off topic, somebody will throw something at me and get me back on. But uh, I heard a word today or this week, and I had to look it up. I had to Google it so I'd know the definition of it. You may know it. Uh, but uh, somebody referred to somebody as being cisgender. How many know what that means? I didn't know what it meant. I only knew there was two genders, male and female, according to the Bible. But this individual was referring to a lady as a cisgender female and a cisgender male and uh, so my curiosity got the best of me I looked it up and I realized that uh, you are cisgender when you are living according to the identity that you have been assigned on your birth certificate So I know we're amening this, but what stuck to me was my identity was not assigned to me on my birth certificate. 
My identity was assigned to me by God. And the Bible says that he created male and female alike. And uh, I believe in the last day that our world, the church, we need men. The world needs men to be men. Amen. The Apostle Paul, he expresses God's desire for men in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 8. And he said this, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. And uh, I believe more than anything, the world needs men to be men. Amen. Simple definition of what a man is, is in my book, is a man's not a woman. And so if you are not a woman, God wants you to be what he called you to be. God wants you to stand up and be exactly the identity of what he has called you to be. I read this also this week that statistics prove that the number one indicator of the health of the church is based on the men of the church. Unfortunately, it's not the women, even though women have had to carry the greater responsibility of the church. But the health of a church is based on the men. And this statistic said this, dead men equal a dead church. But praying men and worshiping men equal a church that's alive. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful that we have powerful men of God in this church. How many's how many's thankful for that? I'm thankful for the powerful men that we have in this church. Amen. But I'm going to challenge you men, not just you fathers, but all of us men. I believe that we can do better. I believe that we can pray more. I believe that we can give more. I believe that we can be more faithful. I believe that we can uh, serve God more. I believe that we can give God more because what we do will be a representation of what our home and what our family and what our children will do. Amen. Because when men are involved, the church will be transformed and our world will be transformed. And amazing things happen with the power of one man. How many believe that? I believe that. In the second chapter of King. Uh, in the second uh, year of King Saul's reign over Israel, the armies of the Philistines came to defeat him. You can read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 1 Samuel chapter 14. It says that Israel had an army of 3,000 men. 2,000 men were with King Saul and 1,000 men were with his son Jonathan. The Philistines greatly outnumbered the Israelites. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 5. It says, And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 
30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, people as the sands which numbered uh, uh, in, uh, in the seashore in multitude. And they came upon and they pitched in Mishmah east from Beth Aven. When the armies of Israel, the Bible says, saw that they were so outnumbered and in danger of defeat, they hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And, and Saul was left with just 600 men that would fight this tremendous multitude that had come against him. And to make matters even worse, the Bible says, because there were no blacksmiths in Israel, there were no swords or spears in the hands of the 600 warriors except for Saul and Jonathan. Amen. So this was the situation King Saul and Jonathan faced. They had 600 men to fight against 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and more soldiers than they could count with only two swords among them. In this no-win situation... Jonathan, the son of King Saul, did something powerful. We see this in, verse, in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and 6. He said to his young man, Jonathan said to his young man that bear his armor, Come and let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. I want us to notice the words of Jonathan that he said to his armor bearer. He said this, It may be that the Lord will work for us. Hallelujah. It just may be that in the middle of our difficult situation and this circumstance where the odds are stacked against us, it just may be that if we will do something, that the Lord will work for us. Hallelujah. I want to remind somebody today, there is nothing too hard for God. Come on, I want to remind somebody, there is nothing impossible for God. And if somebody will step in out in faith, it may be that God will work for you on your behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe it's time that we put God to the test. I believe it's time that we stand on the promises of God's word. I believe it's time, like I preached last Sunday, that we step out in faith because there are no restraints to what the Lord can do. How many believe that? When the doctor says there is no hope, it may be just, Brother Swift, that God may have a miracle that he wants to perform in your life. When it seems like tragedy is about to come, Brother Dustin, it may just be that God wants to show up and show out that he is a victor. 
When the enemy of our soul comes against us, hallelujah, and says that we cannot be victorious and that God will not fulfill the promises that he said he would do, it may just be that God wants to do something supernatural in our life. Hallelujah. So I want to remind us of what I told us last Sunday. There is no prayer that God cannot answer. There is no promise that God cannot fulfill. There is no problem, hallelujah, that God cannot solve. There's no sickness that God cannot heal. And there is no army or enemy that God cannot defeat. So this is what Joshua and his armor bearer did. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and 13 through 15. It says, And Joshua climbed up on his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. This is what happened. Jonathan and his armor bearer decided that they were going to go to the garrison of the Philistines. The Bible says that they slaughtered, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, about 20 men. When as it were an acre of land, which a yoke of oxen would plow, and there was a trembling in the host and in the field and among all the people, that the garrison and the, and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. Hallelujah. Because Jonathan trusted God. And he believed that God just might work on his behalf. He was willing to stand when no one else would stand. His armor bearer joined him. And one man was now two men. And two men would become a multitude and God would bring victory to Israel. Hallelujah. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and 20 and 23. It says, And Saul and all the people, all the people that were hiding in pits and in caves and in holes and in thickets and all the places that they could find, all the people that were with him assembled themselves and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against this fellow. And there was a very great disconfrontation. Verse 21 says, Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp, for the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and with Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hidden themselves in the Mount of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day. Hallelujah. What I want us to understand is simply this. There is power 
when one man will make up his mind to make a difference. There is power when one man will say, surely God will be with me. There is power when one man will make a choice. Hallelujah. I'm not just going to hide. I'm not just going to tuck my head in the sand. I'm not just going to hide in the thickets in the caves. But maybe it will be possible that God will work on my behalf. One man chose to obey God. One man chose to do what it was right. One man made a difference for a multitude. That's the power of one man. In Joshua chapter 23, the story that I read, Joshua's, Israel's great leader was old and stricken with age. So he called together all the elders, the the heads, the judges, and the officers. He called them all together to remind them of the great and marvelous things that God had done. He also tells them to do this. To keep and do all the law of Moses that had been written down. And he tells them to cleave unto the Lord their God. Then Joshua says this. Joshua 23 and 9 through 11. He says, For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you... No man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. Verse 10 says, One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you. As he hath promised. And then he says in verse 11, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. That ye love the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Joshua wanted to remind Israel. Like Jonathan and his armor bearer. One man could choose to obey God. One man could choose to do what was right. And make a difference. One man and God would be a majority. Joshua wanted Israel to understand and I believe God wants the church and he wants men of 2023 to understand, hallelujah, that there is power in one man. How many believe that? Our world and the church needs men to be men. And the kind of men that are needed are the ones that Paul described in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We need men that will pray. We need men that will lift up holy hands. We need men without anger. We need men with faith. This is what God has ordained for the identity of the world and the church. This is the kind of men that God needs and that God is looking for. So I simply want to do this today. I want to challenge the men in this church to be men. 
the Apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He would say this about men. He would simply say, act like a man. Act like a man. There are varying descriptions of what a man is. When we think of a man, we think of masculinity and strength and uh, uh, athletic ability and, and, and hunting skills and, and, and all these type of things. And In fact, the, the picture I have on my sermon graphic kind of looks like a cowboy, doesn't it? That's what we think the definition of a man is. But to be honest with you, I'm not a hunter. I'm not a big fisherman. I like to see. We would go fishing when uh, my boys were young and we were all young. And I enjoyed watching them and being a part of what they were doing. More than I even enjoyed catching a fish. I got more joy out of that. Uh, uh, there are things that... Uh, uh, some of you, I couldn't fix my car. I couldn't build a house or a structure. Those are things that uh, we sometimes identify as that's what I got to do to be a man. And we even see that in the scripture with two twin brothers. One named Esau and one named Isaac. Esau was a man of the field. Esau was a hunter. Esau, uh, uh, when uh, Isaac tried to uh, disguise himself as Esau, he had to put on animal hair because his brother was so hairy. Because that's what Esau was as a man. But Isaac was a mama's boy. The Bible says he was the, a man of the tents. That he spent most of his time around the fires. That he spent most of his time helping out around the house. And, 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 and we think, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And this becomes the identity of what a man is. But God gives us the identity of what a man is. Masculinity is not measured by how strong we are. Masculinity is not measured by how handsome we are. And I know most of you men will worship over that because you're looking back at me today. Masculinity is not measured of how you can... Uh, 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 hit a ball or, 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 or catch something or, 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 or do this or create this. That's not how God measures masculinity. He measures it by the description of 1 Timothy chapter 2, Brother Billy. Men that pray. Men that lift holy hands. Men without anger. That's a hard one for us because... We are always consumed. Men deal with a lot of anger in their life. Men that have faith. Men that will stand up and be the men that God called us to be. Hallelujah. 
Don't worry about any stereotype. Don't worry about you have to fit into this box or that box. Don't worry about I can't do this or that, so I'm not really, uh, I, I'm not really a man. I'm, I, I, I'm not like this one and I'm not like that one. But you can be and I can be a man that prays. I can be a man, Brother Gresham, that will lift holy hands. I can be a man that's not afraid to weep and cry and get into the presence of God. I can be a man, hallelujah, that's holy and godly, hallelujah. And that's the kind of man that's going to change our world. Hallelujah. When there's more genders and identities and things that, 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 that every day something else is coming out. A new term. I didn't even know there had to be a, a word that would coin, be coined that would describe what I am and what was put on my birth certificate and how I am living. I didn't even know that that was a term saying this is how you're living your life so I'm going to call you a cisgender male. No, I'm just a male because that's what God called me to be. In a world that's so confused, hallelujah, what's going to change our world, hallelujah, is men that will pray, men that will be faithful, men that will love their families, hallelujah, men that will serve God with all of their hearts. That's why Joshua said, one man can chase a thousand. One man can do this. And then he would close it with this. But one man that chases a thousand, take heed therefore unto yourself that ye love the Lord your God. Hallelujah. What an identity of a man to love God with all of their heart, their mind, and their strength. Hallelujah. What an identity that a man can have is to love God with everything in their life. Hallelujah. One man that chooses to obey God. One man that chooses to do what is right can make a difference. Because one man and God are a majority. Hallelujah. That's the power of one man. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask the men of this church the question. If one can chase a thousand. And if one man and an armor bearer can face down an army of Philistines. Hallelujah. What would a church of praying men. Church of worshiping men. Church of committed men. What would a church of faithful men do? Hallelujah. I believe that we can make a difference in the world. How many believe that? I love our ladies. I'm thankful for ladies. I would not want to live my life when, without ladies. Amen. But men... God never called ladies to leave the home. God never called the ladies to be the head of the family. 
God never called ladies. I know we like to say this. There's nothing like the power of a praying mother. And I'm thankful for the power of a praying mother. But the reason the mother has to pray is because the father didn't. But if the father would lead in prayer. If the father would stand up. And be what God called him to be. I'm thankful for the men of this church. I look around and I I see many, many men. And I know there are some of our men that aren't here. But I'm thankful for the strong men that we have in this church. But I'm asking you men to stand up with me and help me. I can't lead this church to where God wants to take us by myself. I can't do that. And we can't go where God wants to take us with just ladies that pray and that worship and with ladies that are our identity. Men, we've got to be the identity of the church. You should be the most faithful. You should be the prayer warrior. I should be the one that's standing in the gap and making up the difference. When Kyler stood up here to speak about me, I love Kyler. He does like to argue. He is 26 years old and still living in my house. Carrying my debit card. But I'm thankful he is. But did you notice this? When he talked about me, he didn't say, my dad taught me how to fix my car and my truck. He didn't say, Dad taught me how to catch a pass or shoot a shot, which I did show him those things. But he didn't say that. He didn't say, Dad scoped up my rifle on my gun. We sat in the deer stand and we shot our first deer together. Don't get me wrong, there's not anything with those wrong with those testimonies. But the testimony that he gave was my dad taught me how to pray. My dad showed me what it means to be faithful to the house of the Lord. My dad showed me what it means to be Do that for your sons, men. Do that for your grandchildren. I got grandchildren right now. Nobody's more beautiful and more handsome. I know y'all got beautiful grandbabies, but you know what? Charlie is the best. don't believe that I'll show you a picture after church 
And Magnolia, she just knows exactly. This is where the age of, this is where our grandkids are getting. Uh, we FaceTime them. We talk to them. They're recognizing us. They know who we are. Charlie and Maggie know what money is now. other day our daughter-in-law Jessica sent us a message and said Charlie wanted to go get some toys and said he needed some buddy bucks I'm grand buddy so he said I need some buddy bucks so what happened when they FaceTimed me and he said I need some buddy bucks grand buddy sent him some bucks You that have grandchildren, I have grandchildren, I'm thankful for them. Be grandfathers that will pray. Be grandfathers that will love God. Be grandfathers that will show them what it means to be in the house of the Lord. Because one man, one man can put a thousand to flight. And that's what God is looking for us today, is one man. So I want to do this in closing, if you'll help me do this. If you're a visitor and you don't feel comfortable with doing this, that's okay.